0: young hearts beat fast driving down the road and we're going to be talking a little bit about that today but first Since a new Star Wars movie came out this past weekend with little to no fanfare, as far as I can tell, and Doug and I, my guest today, sat in an unpacked theater last night to watch Solo, a Star
1: Wars story. So let's start there. What did you think about Solo? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with mixed bag, even though I, I hate that phrase this is definitely this movie is definitely a mixed bag if you are a fan of star wars m- movies in general i think let's
0: start with uh one scene that you and i thought was especially bad should we open there
1: oh well that's where they pretty much opened the movie that was in the first 10 minutes right
0: it, it was and as always on BitFaced, i just want to say spoilers so if you do want to go out and see solo this episode will come out five days after it's out So you've probably had a chance to see it, but if not, please don't listen any farther here. Also going to be tons of spoilers for Cobra Kai coming up. But the scene Doug and I are referencing that we had a big issue with is the origin story of where Han got his last name. Something that you and I thought shouldn't have been touched.
1: I know it has been touched before in books that I think are no longer canon as to how he ended up with this name. My first gripe was... I don't think you should ever have approached that in the movies. I think the the mystery of the character's name has always lent to the character. And if you're going to fucking touch it, don't fucking half-ass it like, like they did in this movie. Do it way better than the
0: way that it was done in the movie. Essentially, Han walks up to an Imperial recruiter. Right. And the guy asks him his name. He says, my name's Han. He says, what's your last name? Or what's your family? What family are you from? Your
1: tribe, yeah. Your tribe.
0: And Han says, I don't have a tribe. And the guy says, oh, <laughs> you can beat Han Solo. It's it, it, clunky. I'm really curious, uh, and this is a question I have throughout the whole movie, but how much is Ron Howard and how much is uh, Phil Lord and the other guy? Spencer? S- Spencer and Lord? I should have looked that up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's close enough. You got their last names.
0: I'm pretty sure that – are the last names correct? Yes. Okay. How? Who? Who did what? Obviously, the scene with Clint Howard, Ron Howard had something to do (laughs) with.
1: I think that's the only one that you could definitively pin down, right?
0: I thought the action sequences were, were shot pretty well. I had a real big issue with the color palette in the first 10 minutes of the movie, too. Something was off, and I don't know if it was the theater that we saw it in, and we will get to that in a little bit. Right, but I didn't think that – and I normally don't really have a problem with cinematography. I, I seem to appreciate a lot of it. I had a problem with the way the colors looked in the first ten minutes of the movie before Han escapes.
1: And when you say with the way that they looked, what specifically?
0: It was – it almost looked washed out or not crisp like I thought it should look. I, I don't know. If, I'm terrible at explaining kind of what I see with my eyes. But but it, muted. Muted, I guess is a good word. It didn't look right.
1: I uh, I didn't pick up on that until well past the halfway point. And the way that it registered with me is, you know, I didn't even notice, but this really looks like a like a original three Star Wars movie. Like I think they got that aesthetic correct, and I think maybe they had to use that effect to get us there.
0: I'd like to see it again, and I'll, I'll point out to you exactly where I had problems with it because I didn't have problems with it the whole movie. I thought the scenes with Lando and the um, Sabat, I thought those were shot and lit very well. I thought the action sequences, especially the the middle sequence, one thing I loved about the movie was the train heist. I'm glad we got to see something like that in a Star Wars movie. And I thought that part was handled very well.
1: I guarantee you that was not Ron Howard. I don't think so either.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not that he he doesn't do a good job of, of shooting action. But the movie kind of has a weird, it has a weird pacing to it. In any normal script, the Kessel Run sequence would be the end or close to the end. But it almost feels like we get another act after that.
1: Yeah, and an an act that, God, it creates more questions than gives answers. And I think you and I both shared the opinion of they're looking to set this up for some kind of sequel, be that another Han movie or another Star Wars story.
0: Oh, they completely left it open. Uh, what's her name? Kira? Kira. Kira takes off at the end. And we get to see, I guess, one of the big reveals of the flick is that she is working for supposedly Darth Maul. Now, I, was that Ray Park?
1: Uh, you know what? I'm going to have to look this up. This is actually something that we should have looked at ahead of the show because it's a Mall. It looked just like Darth Maul, albeit an older Darth Maul, wouldn't you say?
0: And to be fair, normally, guys, we would have done a little bit more research than this. But Doug and I saw this last night. We got home at two in the morning. We played video games probably till three. We slept. We had breakfast. And now we're on the microphones. This is just how things have to get done around here. So but anyway, a character that looks like at least Darth Maul and Doug is going to confirm this right now shows up at the end of the film, which if it is Darth Maul, I've got some issues with the timeline that need to be researched, but I can address that at a, at a different time. It's Ray Park. It is Ray Park. So maybe that's why Darth Maul looked different, because Ray Park is obviously a lot older now.
1: And we know that Maul would have to be significantly older than when we saw him in uh, The Phantom Menace, right?
0: And that's where I kind of have issues with it, because I guess in the cartoon, Maul is back and still alive. He doesn't die at the end of part one, correct?
1: Yeah, because you can cut a Jedi or a Sith Lord in half, but that doesn't necessarily kill him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, well, that that's the big reveal in Solo. What did you think about the performances?
1: What am I gonna do about my legs? Quaggin Jin. <laughs> 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 um, that that for a movie uh, where it would be very easy to pick on something like a, a performance, um, because that's what really what I was looking for is like where this thing starts to fall apart. This is the big disagreement that you and I have. I think walking out of the theater. Um, you found Donald Glover's turn as Lando Calrissian pretty compelling. I did not. I I thought in in parts it was great, and in in other parts it was just it's it was just Donald Glover to me.
0: I think if you closed your eyes during the film, at some points he sounded exactly like Billy D. Williams. I think Glover's talented as hell in everything he does, from Childish Gambino to Community. Thought he did a great job as Lando. I thought he nailed it. I didn't have a problem with. Uh, you know what? And since we didn't do any research, I'm just gonna call him a different name every time. I didn't have a problem with uh, Alden Etch-a-Sketch. I thought he did a good job as as Han Solo. He definitely was a was a younger Solo. I mean, was he Harrison Ford? Absolutely not. His performance wasn't that good, but he did a good job as uh, he wasn't. He was the one I was the most worried about, and he didn't completely disappoint me.
1: There was no way he was ever going to be able to sustain a. Uh, 70s era Harrison Ford impression throughout the entire movie, and I'm glad that they didn't even try to do that.
0: I thought, and I think you think this as well, that there was way too much fan service roped into the story for the the purposes of you know making sure that we know that the, this ends up on Tatooine in episode four.
1: I just I don't get it. One of the most liberating things I would think as a filmmaker to be given a Star Wars story is that you can do this, and it we know it all exists in the same universe, but it doesn't have to be anchored by the original nine episode story arc. So why why bother? Like why slow down the movie? In my opinion, in a couple of instances, that's what it did because it takes you right out of the story just to give you like the old like wink wink. and that's cool. You know, if you do it a couple of times and if you do it subtly, but the fucking dice showing up every fucking five minutes is not how it's done.
0: Yeah, I thought there, there was a good reference in the fire scene to Bosk was mentioned by name. Jabba doesn't get mentioned, but they might as well come out and say Jabba <laughs> the Hutt at a, at a couple points. That badass in the film. gangster on Tatooine. Yeah, Tatooine gets mentioned multiple times. In fact, you, you really think Woody's character is leading Han Solo to Tatooine but I don't think the ages match that's I want to know when this movie takes place in the timeline how old is Han Solo in this and how old is Han Solo um, at Mos Eisley
1: and you have to think that that's been considered because they wouldn't have gone like blatant so I bet if we looked at a timeline things just kind of line up and and maybe um mall has already had some regenerative work done (laughs) or something i don't i don't fucking know but uh you know before we move on we need to talk about the best nudge nudge wink wink in the movie which was
0: what was it oh um
1: (laughs) (laughs) what what style of martial arts is that I've never seen anything like that before. What is that?
0: Do you want to do you want to talk about why you're you're so pissed about? <laughs> I don't want to say it because I know I'm going to pronounce it wrong.
1: I'm not pissed. I'm vindicated. Uh, we had seen the angry video game nerd do an episode of uh, well, the angry video game nerd several months back where he butchered the name of Terras Kasi, which is how it's pronounced uh, from the the old uh, 64, right? Uh, PlayStation One. PS P S one. PS one, that's right. Uh, Masters of Terras Kasi. And I think he, he says like Terras Kasai like through the whole fucking episode. Which is how I pronounce it now because of him. And I don't And remember. it drove me crazy. And I told you that at the time. I'm like, that's not how you fucking say it. And then then we couldn't find like a definitive reference online of how it's pronounced. And to hear it in canon, Terras Kasi right there on the screen, like that that actually made the movie for me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you did. Uh, I knew, in fact, uh, to lean over because I knew you were going to say something. As soon as she pronounced it, I was like, well, then there we go. That's that's how it's pronounced. You were right, Doug. Uh, not that I ever argued with you.
1: And I don't know why I thought I was so right. It's just I, I know at least one other person that pronounced it like that. And But, again, there there was no definitive example. I don't even think in the game they say Terras Cassi out loud. So
0: No, back then you wouldn't have uh, – I would argue that that game had little to no voice outside of the two characters fighting each other and saying
1: things. And I know that's not what we're here to talk about today, but I'm glad I, I got to mention it at least. No,
0: but before we move on, I do have to say that Doug and I tried out the D box last <laughs> night. So we we have to talk a little bit about that, right?
1: Yeah. I'm still sore.
0: <laughs> you you turned your, D- Doug did not, uh, Doug did not do well in the D box. I did. Okay. I guess what this is, and and we were ignorant as well. We had no idea what this was until we looked it up ourselves. But our theater here has, like, their seats that move, I guess is the best way to describe it. They move, they vibrate, they are in sync with the movie.
1: They jar the fuck out of you.
0: (laughs) In fact, Doug had his seat off. Uh, Joey Badafucco, that was sitting to Doug's left, and me sitting to Doug's right, both had our seats completely cranked. And at one point Up in to
1: it, fucking eleven, yeah, at
0: one point in the movie, the seats jostled so much that it knocked Doug's popcorn all over the place. And it was, it was almost, it was a better laugh than some of the jokes in the film. I thought it was hilarious. But I figured if I was going to try out these D-box seats, I was going to go the full bore the entire way. I'm not going to say that it added to my experience. It was a lot like going to. Captain EO or something at Epcot it it, now I'm not disappointed that I did it but at sometimes I was like wow this is this is not really how I want to watch a movie now if they added something else to it like smell or smoke effects or I don't even know what else I want but something besides a a chair that vibrates
1: I think I would have enjoyed it if it was just a little more subtle and I think uh, more sparingly used because it just seemed they like they looked for any opportunity to shake your fucking chair around, even when it didn't make sense with what was going on on the screen. Now, a movie like Han Solo is exactly where you want to engage this type of experience, but uh, I, I think the, the technology has a little way to go. I, if it was a little smoother and, and didn't fucking whip me back and forth, it literally does. You're right; it feels like you're on a roller coaster, hitting a hard turn and then immediately jostling you back the other way, and that uh, it just—I found it distracting. That was. I wanted to enjoy the movie that I was watching and it made it difficult to do that, which is why I turned mine off. So about what you made it five minutes. I, I probably made it five minutes. I wanted to try it too. And I tried like some of the lower settings, which more were more tolerable. But ultimately when I was like, I'm thinking more about the fucking chair than I am the movie. I'm just going to fucking turn this off.
0: No, I could tell it at, at certain points when, uh, my peripheral vision, I was like, Doug turned his chair off. Doug, there's no way Doug is having the same experience. Because you're six
1: inches in the air, and I'm still sitting on the chair. I found
0: it hard at points. Like, when I would try to put my drink up, I'd be like, whoa. I couldn't get into the cup holder.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, and that, and that's the other thing. is You and I are both, like, diehard popcorn, soda, every movie. Don't even fucking bother taking refreshments to this one. I ended up with Gummy Bears or uh, Sour Patch Kids on my ass somehow because of this experience
0: yeah so i don't know if i will go back to the d-box experience the reason we ended up in the d-box is because those were the best seats available in colorado springs to see solo and i am a seat snob
1: yeah and they were good seats
0: Always, If you come down, if you drive down to see a film, we will not be sitting in crappy seats. So that's why we ended up there. I'm glad you were able to turn it off, though. I'm glad that if you don't like it, you can stop and just enjoy just a recliner.
1: If I hadn't, I might have missed all of the uh, the Geico cavemen running around the screen in, in the middle of the movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was some Wookiees in Solo that didn't look like
1: – there's. Because you can only hear this. There's air quotes around Wookies right now. Because we're still not sure.
0: Yeah, and so I don't. I don't know what they were. Where they were going with that. I go see. If you're a Star Wars fan, you've already. Uh, you've already seen it. I'm. I'm sure. It just seems like there's not as much hype around Solo. I think because we just got a Star Wars movie in December that was really good, and I think overall really well received. I mean we. There was empty seats next to us, next to me, especially. The rest of our row was empty last night. Now, granted, we were in the expensive seats that not everyone had to pay for. You could have gone to see Solo much cheaper, I'm sure, last night in, in worse seats.
1: In a late show, I mean, it was a 10:15 show. It was opening weekend, but it's also a holiday weekend, and I never know how those things affect attendance,
0: I think they normally raise attendance.
1: Even like on the the Friday, though, because like in my head, it's like this is the day that people hit the road and are headed somewhere if whatever their destination is for the the holiday weekend.
0: And you might be you might be right. But you figure it's a Star Wars movie, even though it didn't feel like one after a Star
1: Wars story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, after the um, the long time ago, there's a very weak ass it's not, I wouldn't even call it a crawl. It's like text appears. Yeah, because it
1: doesn't crawl.
0: Yeah, no, it, but you know what I mean, though. It's not the... It, 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 it's
1: the introduction in text. And
0: I get that they tried to make it different, but I thought it was really lame.
1: Could you even read it?
0: Yeah, I could read it. My
1: brain would not let me, because I'm just sitting there thinking, like, why, why isn't the text moving? Like, and, and I know they did some setup with the story there, uh, which they don't have to do, but...
0: Either do a traditional crawl and the Star Wars title comes out or Rogue One handled it a lot better than Solo did. Rogue Elegantly. One, at least, is a uh, a long time ago and then a cut straight to the action.
1: Which is perfect.
0: I didn't like the way that they did the the story setup in Solo. And basically all the dialogue you didn't read boiled down to this blue shit is going to be important. <laughs> That's what you missed.
1: It uh, Hyperfuel. I think it it also suffered from uh, way too many characters.
0: Yeah. God, poor Thandie Newton.
1: Yeah. Gets, uh, what, maybe three minutes of screen time before they take her out.
0: And John Favreau voicing, uh, an animated or CGI character as well dies pretty quickly, but that's done to set up the fact that Han has to end up being the, the pilot.
1: Right. Which, uh, I didn't mind that. Um, I I think I told you that it did take a while for me to feel like I was invested in the characters. Like, I really didn't give a shit about him until I did. There is some point in the movie where it becomes compelling enough that that you start buying into it, but so many different, like, factions and leaders of these factions, and it's fine when they're on screen because you can keep up with that, but when they start talking about these people by name, I'm like, well, now who the fuck are they talking about? And who the fuck is the... the, (laughs) What are they? The... Something dawn the the crimson crimson dawn, dawn. and yeah. then there
0: was another faction too that ends up being the good guys and the, I, the pirates.
1: I, I someone's probably going to call me out for this, but I don't think that stuff's canon either. And if it is, it's obscure enough that it's like, did it have to be included in, in the Han movie? Can't we just have him and and Billy D like meeting up, playing cards? A, a drawn out Kessel Run sequence. It, it seems like we got introduced to a lot of characters that were then killed off, uh, and you you need death, right? Especially if if it's the villain, you you want to you want to see the villain die. But what's the point of adding all of these ancillary characters just to to kill them off if, if they're not going to be part of the storyline? Or is it just to to show the shit that Han's been through?
0: I think also, and uh, you know, Thandy Newton's death kind of fleshed out what he candy sorry Uh, okay fleshed out woody harrelson's character a lot you kind of got to see who he was as a person Woody's great oh he's awesome he's good in everything he does though he he was very smart casting decision for this film he kind of holds the film together not that everyone else doesn't do a good job i don't think there was any bad acting i didn't like the droid l7 or whatever l3 l3 sorry
1: yeah i i really did okay let me ask you this did you like um Wash's droid in the last movie? I did. Because I remember thinking that during the film, too. I'm like, this droid is fucking stealing the show again, just like uh, Alan Tudix did in Rogue One.
0: I didn't like the... I didn't think the comedy... The comedy didn't hit for me, and I wasn't the only one in the theater that was not laughing. Uh,
1: I liked it. That that was actually you one of the it. high you points for me. You, at some points,
0: points, were the only one in the theater laughing, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that joke really landed with Doug. Didn't Didn't land with me, but... Doug's over there cracking up, so there must be some sort of merit to it.
1: How did you feel about Han speaking Wookiee?
0: That might have been my favorite scene in the movie. I thought that worked comedically, and I thought you have to show how Han and Chewbacca meet. That might have been my favorite part of um, not really shoehorning in the canon, but you have to show that scene, right? Just like you have to show where Han meets Lando. Yeah. I like the Han you know, Chewbacca is going to tear him to pieces and Han talks his way out of the situation. Like, and in most times in the movie, when Han tries to talk his way out of a situation, it backfires on him. That's the only time it works. He gets a lifelong friend. That's the most fleshed out Chewbacca's character has ever been. We kind of get to see Chewbacca's motivation. And at one point he leaves Han to save his uh, Geico caveman only to end up coming back to save Han because Han saved him. I thought for a character that can't speak, that you have to basically repeat his lines to him, I thought they did a great job with Chewbacca. In fact, that was probably one of my favorite relationships in the film.
1: It, I liked the the introduction, too. I didn't like that they showed uh, Han's Wookiee Knees, whatever the name of the language is. They showed subtitles for it. Well, if you're going to do that, why not show subtitles for Chewbacca?
0: <laughs> I get, because how Chewbacca's dialogue is used to humorous effect like because Han can always if you don't know what Chewbacca says Han can always respond with something I mean you know how screenwriting works
1: I did like how when he asked him his name and and Chewbacca was kind of growling it you could hear it sounded like Chewbacca it's like ah fucking Chewbacca I'm not gonna call you that every time (laughs) I loved
0: how Lando called uh, Han Han
1: because
0: that's (laughs) what Billy Dee calls him in Empire Strikes Back that that was my favorite joke in the whole movie
1: that that might have been see and that's how you do a nod like, quick, and you don't dwell on it, and the people who are, are going to pick up on it are, are going to, and otherwise it doesn't slow the story down, because it really didn't at all.
0: Now, any final thoughts on, on Solo before we move on to, to Reseda?
1: <sighs> you know, I wasn't um, super impressed with the, the movie overall, but I'm going to go see it again because I, the way I feel about it right now is the same way I felt about Avengers after the first time I saw it. So I I think it deserves a, a second viewing. Um, it, it's weird. Uh, I know it's getting a lot of hate online right now. The critics are being pretty gentle with it. Uh, more, They're nicer to this movie than they were to The Last Jedi, which blows my mind, but the fans are at like 40 fucking 1% on this and I don't get that because even... With all of the missteps, it's still fun. It's still Han Solo, um, the coolest character in the the Star Wars universe. Um, don't don't let the negative reviews uh, affect you getting down to the theater and being able to enjoy this while it's still there.
0: I want a uh, I want a rounder style movie with Han and Lando hustling people at Sabat. That's the movie I wanted. I knew they'd go bigger than that, and of course we would get to see the castle run, which was done okay. It, it, it showed off Han's skill as a pilot. There's one scene where he runs the Millennium Falcon into the side of a TIE fighter and kills him, and I, that was one of my favorite parts in the... Tink. Yeah, in the air. You get to see uh, why the Millennium Falcon looks so busted ass. Uh, the original nose, in fact, I thought... I liked that. I liked the fact that they explained, because the whole movie I was like, the nose of the Millennium Falcon doesn't look like that, and then at the end, <laughs> after Han completely trashes it. And then I, I, I love the, the... I thought the comeuppance against Lando, him... Uh, pocketing the card from him and using it to take the ship back. I liked that arc. I thought that was really cool. And of course, the movie ends with Han and Chewie hitting into hyperspace, which is the only way to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I liked it. Did I love it? No. But it, I, thought it, I thought it was good, not great.
1: Good, not great is uh, the best three-word review for this movie.
0: What is, however, amazing, if you haven't seen it, is YouTube Red series Cobra Kai, Anyone who listens to the podcast knows, especially if you hear the episode or heard the episode that I did with my dad, The Karate Kid is one of my favorite movies of all time. I know it gets a lot of, um, not really a lot of hate, but uh, a lot of it now, Wax On, Wax Off, The Crane Kick, a lot of it's looked at as very cheesy, which I completely understand. It was a movie of its time. I saw it when I was probably eight or nine. In fact, I think I saw The Karate Kid before I met Doug or around the same time. Cobra Kai. Not, I'm not going to say it flips the story because it really doesn't, but you really get to see things from John Lawrence's perspective. A character you never thought you would see again, who really is written completely when you read the original Karate Kid script as a villain. There's no other way that you perceive Johnny in that film. Until Karate Kid 2, you see a little bit of human, and you do at the end when he congratulates Daniel. Right. When, when Johnny says, you're all right, LaRusso. And, and Daniel, you know, walks away with the trophy. This series, which if you haven't seen it, huge spoilers, but please go watch it. I don't watch a lot of television. I've already watched it through three times. That's how good it is. In fact, the only negative review I've heard of the show was Doug's sour ass after watching the first episode. Other than that, everyone seems to love it.
1: Universally, everyone I talk to, and I'm evangelizing this series to everyone I know, because uh, much like Solo... It didn't get a lot of hype or press for different reasons. I mean, <laughs> this show didn't have a multi-million-dollar marketing budget like <laughs> Disney does with a a Star Wars movie. But uh, I I had problems with the very first episode, and uh, it I think it speaks to the quality of the show that I was able to uh, it it allowed me to put those aside very quickly. There was I went back and counted actually two and a half minutes of footage from the original movie in the first episode that's overdone
0: I, I agree with you there especially someone like myself who's very god damn it who's very familiar with the original movie I think some of the scenes from the original movie are used much better later in the show right and if you look at the episodes um. 1 through ten one is definitely the weakest but only because the rest of them nine especially, are some of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. I don't want to skip ahead to episode nine, though. Let's let's stay <laughs> back here at near one and two, because we will talk about nine. But Johnny is a—he's uh, uh, an alcoholic, completely down on his luck. I guess you'd call him a handyman, is what he does for work yeah. as the show starts. Kind of a
1: jack-of-all-trades.
0: Uh, gets in trouble for, you know, you get to see a day in the life of Johnny getting bitched out by a, a customer and then getting accused of shit for hanging a TV on... What he could argue was not the wrong wall. (laughs) And then you have Daniel LaRusso, who owns LaRusso Autos, who gives out a free bonsai tree with every purchase, still doing his karate moves.
1: Smashing the competition.
0: Yeah, obviously, the Hill Valley Championship led to to a good life for Daniel LaRusso. He's got an amazing wife. He's got a beautiful house, awesome daughter, and a piece of shit son. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, Daniel's son in Cobra Kai is the equivalent of what Daniel is in the Karate Kid Part 3.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a great way to put it.
0: Which does get referenced more in Cobra Kai than Karate Kid 2. Karate Kid 2 is not mentioned at all outside of one picture of Daniel and Miyagi on the side of that mountain in Okinawa where they do the Pat Morita tribute, I think in episode 5.
1: There's a, a few more references to it. There are they're not real obvious. So he talks about picking up a knife uh, in Okinawa. Uh, oh, that's that right. When he's doing the... choppish sushi. Okay. Or, I forgot about that. Or it's not sushi, is it? It's... uh,
0: uh Sashimi. It's or... some kind of raw fish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tuna. It, I like... The, one of the things that, that stood out early in those episodes, it's like, okay, well, they're trying to get me to feel a certain way about Johnny and a certain way about danny and i don't know if i necessarily appreciated that like because i thought that was a little too heavy too it's like oh this this is the person i'm supposed to be rooting for but they make up for that later right because they turn that on its head too it's like look that these are these are both just people they both have their their qualities they both have their flaws and you really shouldn't be rooting for either one of them or both make your choice
0: in fact, I'll tell you the the exact moment that you go from – and let's be fair, and I'm going to quote my dad here since he's such a big influence, took me to this film, uh, a Kid at least originally. My dad used to call Daniel a weenie. <laughs> Daniel LaRusso is a weenie. And for the first, I think, three to four episodes, you don't really start feeling for Daniel until he's got a penis spray painted next to his face. And then that turns a little bit, but then there's a beautiful scene in episode five where Daniel, you can tell he's frustrated, he's had enough, and he goes to visit Mr. Miyagi's grave. Mr. Miyagi dead at 82. And the conversation he has, you can till, still tell that Daniel lost so much when he lost his mentor. He needs that in his life. His wife doesn't provide it. He's trying to make his daughter. He's trying to really be her, Mr. Miyagi. Mm-hmm. She's not really having it. Even though I think we're going to see her next season, she, she will fight. That's alluded to multiple times in the in the series and the,
1: the final shot of and, the series. Yeah,
0: it her in the Miyagi or the the home of Miyagi dojo because we do get to see the real Miyagi dojo, which had me in tears all three times. But you get to see Daniel; he still, even though he has tons of success in his life, him and Johnny are still missing the same thing. They don't have a father figure, and that's brought out. Later, and again, I'm not going to skip to episode nine, even though I want to, the scene between Daniel and Johnny at the bar was my favorite scene in the entire series.
1: And you could say that uh, the father figure narrative is the, the narrative of not only the, the original movies, but very much so in this series. I think they look at it from every angle possible over the 10 episode arc of Cobra Kai.
0: Well, Yeah, because you have Johnny's estranged son basically is Daniel's pupil. And Johnny's pupil is essentially who Daniel was in the first movie. And that's
1: brilliant and, writing. And Johnny's pupils. I mean, he is the father figure to a bunch of kids, much like his asshole father figure Kreese was to, to him.
0: One of the best scenes in the dojo is where he's walking through and he's like, that's a cool shirt. He's like, oh, thanks. He's like, I'm just kidding. It sucks. And he's calling each of the kids out. I love that. uh I thought that the heavy handedness of the throwback to the movies, especially when they were showing the shots, it goes away. It does. There's, there's still some call outs in every uh, episode. In fact, episode seven where Johnny convinces Miguel to take uh, Daniel's daughter to golf and stuff was one of the best things ever. Some, some of it is shot for shot from the karate kid, the hockey shot. And one of the shots of them playing skee ball are the exact same shots they used with, uh, um, Elizabeth Shue Your and Rob Macho.
1: be fast. <laughs> I,
0: I I loved that, and you get to you get to see Miguel's character take a different turn than Johnny did, because Miguel gets to win. Miguel wins the even though he gives the trophy to um, to John. Miguel wins the tournament. He beats who is the good guy. But it
1: but is he the good guy? That that's. One of the best ways that the story ends is that, again, all of the characters, you get to see their good and their bad side. Uh, Johnny's son's a little asshole, and he's probably got some pretty good reasons to be. I mean, his mom is a fucking piece of work, and we know (laughs) who his dad is, but...
0: I love that dessert Joke that they did where he's like, she, She's not gonna blow you unless you order dessert, and then the dude's walking away talking about the desserts on the menu.
1: <laughs> I think that the fact that the kid was a, a liar through most of the movie, uh, and uh, a, again, given his heritage, you know, who knows what the fuck is going on there. But just because he practices Miyagi Do karate doesn't make him the good guy, he was a guy, it was two guys. Yeah, he he looks
0: like all three of the home improvement kids fucked and came up with one kid. He really does. Jonathan Taylor Karate is what I'm going to call him.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: I I thought he did a he did a good job. Machio's performance is shaky at some points, but that's completely made up for at the end. Zabka's performance is Emmy worthy.
1: This this show does not work if if Zabka doesn't deliver from the get-go and, and and stays there. I mean, he committed to this character. And, and who knows? He may live and breathe it. He may be a little freaky. He may be the guy that walks around at home and you know stays in Johnny character all the time just because that's all he's known for. I don't know Billy Zabka outside of the Karate Kid universe. I had, I've seen him in the odd TV show over the years, but... Back to school? Okay. I uh, know you would...
0: You hate it. Never mind.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I even brought that movie up. Have you even seen that? I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, I, I just... You know I'll never watch it again
0: yeah he's the bad guy in that he right. was in hot tub time machine Yeah, he's
1: the same character in he kind of Back plays a
0: a bully or he plays uh yeah he kind of plays the bully in hot tub time machine he's the dude that they bet at the bar yeah so yeah he always kind of kind of plays an asshole you get to see the human side of Johnny though That's and
1: so well and it's done. so
0: well done yeah it's 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 perfect God, one of our favorite scenes and I think what this episode is gonna be titled sorry Carl is the plantains, the, where he has dinner with Miguel's family. Oh my god. That's the joke is done so well because and then later on in episode nine too, with his uh, he's so naive about Facebook. Yeah. When Daniel's showing him, oh, do you want to see Allie? I can I can show you Allie Mills Schwarber. <laughs> Which might again, we'll we talk about it now. Fuck it. My favorite my favorite scene, that bar scene, has some of the best lines. And they tease you so much with what I think is going to end up happening is a reconciliation between Daniel and Johnny. But they take it back to to Allie, the inciting incidents and why they hate each other and where this all started is her. It all comes back to her. And they're both sitting in a bar drinking, talking about basically not only the girl that drove them apart, but the one for both of them that got away. She's a doctor now in Denver, which I loved. Uh, Allie Mill Schwarber, never friend-requested Daniel on Facebook. And you could feel the pain in Machio's performance when he says that.
1: You really could.
0: And you get Johnny doing, oh my God, he talks about the spaghetti incident from Karate Kid, and, and Daniel's like, that really burned me. And he was like, oh, you, you know, whatever. He says, like, you look so stupid, you know? And he's like, that's even better than it burns you. <laughs> and then he picks up, when he's looking at Daniel's phone, they pull up a picture of what Allie's husband looks like, and, and Johnny says one of my favorite lines. He says, look at that stupid face. <laughs> <laughs> but you go from that scene to them, obviously having some beers, and you, you see the friendly... You see a little bit of friendship come out there. To them almost walking into a dojo to give you what you want, man. You want to see Johnny and Daniel sparring as friends, right? Uh-huh. Isn't that the scene everyone wants to see? But no, Jonathan Taylor Karate has to come in and fuck it up. And yeah, they're walking towards Daniel's dojo. And I thought for a second I was like, oh my god, they're gonna do it. They're gonna they're gonna mess around as this is gonna be a bonding moment between Daniel and Johnny. But no. It gets, it gets fucked up. Johnny's car gets torched by Daniel's idiot brother. Cousin. Oh, sorry, cousin. Who also, I want to point this out in case nobody noticed, stepped in Johnny's shit. They make a joke about how their shit on top of the billboard – and the guy's like, "How would a dog get up here?" So obviously, Johnny took a drunk dump up there.
1: Oh my god! I didn't even pick up on that.
0: I didn't the first two times. The third time, I was like, "Oh wait a minute! Johnny took a shit up there, and that's what he—that's <laughs> what he stepped in." So you're welcome, uh, bitface listeners, f- for that one little uh, little trivia there. And there's a lot. If you are a, a fan of the movies, there's a lot of little nuggets to pull out of each episode.
1: Nice transition.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work over here. And the show ends with Daniel driving Robbie to Miyagi-Do. I, Miyagi died and left Daniel, his house, and the, the lot full of cars. In fact, we get to see the car that he gave Daniel, which is the car from the original movie. It's one of the things Ralph Macchio kept. Really? He kept his headband, he kept the gi, and he kept his, his yellow car. Wow. And so I'm assuming that that's, they probably used Macchio's car. To be authentic,
1: I hope so. That makes the the whole thing as a package like even more special. Um, it, I've seen the whole series twice through now, um, and it's a quick watch. I mean, you can kill it in a night. That's that's one good thing about it. Uh, the The thing that that I think struck me on the second viewing, I was so enamored with Zabka the first time through, and maybe even more so on on the second viewing. He's just he's just that good, and uh, not to be missed. I mean, this is one of those things that, like, if you view it, 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 it through an artistic lens, he deserves consideration for how he portrayed this character. But uh, uh, it, it it overshadows Machio's role a little bit. And and if you watch it a second time, I think that's when I really picked up on on how well Danny was actually doing, or Macho was actually doing in, in the Danny character. So I think, given the fact that both Connor who is nowhere near, I mean, he might have seen the original Karate Kid movie. I doubt he's seen two or three. He loved this. Nikki loved this. She's not a huge Karate Kid fan. Every single person I've talked to that has seen this. Every review that you read raves about how amazing it is. And everyone says the same thing. It has no right to be this good. And don't ask me what it is that I love about it.
0: Oh, I know what I love about it. It's it's a, it's a, it's a well done story. It's well written. It's the same guy as uh, Schlossberg is one of their names, but the guys that created Harold and Kumar. Right. I love those movies too. I, I don't know. There's no correlation there, except we do get poor man's Harold as the bully.
1: Right. Yeah, and they're... Kyler. Those movies are... They're good, like, you know, stoner laughs. I, I wouldn't call that quality cinema, though. <laughs>
0: Fuck that, dude. The first one is a classic.
1: It's good. I like... Neil Patrick Harris, though,
0: <laughs> I quote the first one a lot. Um, I guess it came out when I was in my twenties, so yeah, it's right up, right up my alley. Cobra Kai, though, is, and we're getting to season two. It's been confirmed. Right, Martin Cove has been hired to play Crease throughout the entire season. You and I are both predicting that that's got to be the villain that Johnny and uh, Daniel team up to.
1: I told you from the beginning that that's what I where I wanted this to go. I wanted a team up, and I didn't think I was going to get it right up until Crease walks into the dojo, and we thought Crease was dead ever since Karate Kid Three.
0: Johnny says in the meeting where he's getting Cobra Kai reinstated, John Crease is dead.
1: Yeah, and wasn't he dead in?
0: He's in Karate Kid Three. He's not dead though.
1: He he doesn't. Oh fuck! See, it's been so long since I've seen that one. I don't I don't care for that movie.
0: I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make Tyler watch it because he hasn't seen it. But, but it's oh my god! There's a couple parts that are good. I saw it in the theater, of course, when I was a kid. But overall, that is hands down the worst Karate Kid movie. In fact, I don't even like part two that much. I love the first film. I don't I don't often watch the sequels, and I've never seen four or the next Karate Kid. And I didn't see the Jaden Smith Karate Kid with Jackie Chan either.
1: Yeah, that was all right. Four is the next Karate Kid. Four is Hillary Swank. And yeah, Hilary Swank. Pat Morita. No appearance from Daniel. <sighs> uh, unless there's anything that you have to say about Cobra Kai, I, I did want to take a minute and ask you a couple things. Like, YouTube Red, do you plan on keeping that for anything else?
0: What I think I'm going to do is cancel my YouTube Red subscription, and then I will start it up again when <laughs> Cobra Kai Season 2 comes out. Because I did try to give YouTube Red a fair chance, the only thing it's doing for me right now is not playing commercials during gaming videos that I watch when I'm going to sleep anyway so the commercials really don't bug me. In fact, they put me to sleep quicker. I've looked at their original programming. Outside of Cobra Kai, there is nothing no. that I would watch. The programming seems to be targeted towards tweens, and it's not It's not up the my alley The people that watch YouTube? <laughs> I watch YouTube, but I, I watch like informative shit
1: you, you watch way more YouTube than anyone else in your age group I promise you
0: is it because I'm a gamer
1: uh, a bachelor gamer in particular
0: <laughs> I, I'm just yeah, no, being no. real with you man no no I, and I appreciate that that's why I love you so but no am I going to keep YouTube red no
1: I think uh, this is exactly the kind of quality of content that they need to produce to get people onto yet another paying platform. But twelve ninety nine a month is kind of steep. But that's
0: more than I pay for Netflix and Hulu that I've had for shit. I've had Netflix since it was on discs, and I've had Hulu since I moved to Colorado, and they provide a lot more to me. There's at least two or three shows I watch on Hulu, and they'll they'll have some good late night movies. Netflix I watch a lot of their original programming. We've got Arrested Development coming out Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Netflix is worth keeping and Netflix is cheaper. YouTube Red should be 5.99 a month. Then I would cons- I would honestly consider it. 12.99 a month. Fuck you, YouTube Red.
1: Yeah. I'm of the same opinion right now. I think the thing I'm most excited about is what the success of this show might mean for other properties that maybe we had at one point said don't ever touch this. That's sacrosanct. Now that we know it can be done, like what happens when you take, you know, you step outside of the ninety or two hour minute movie constraints and and give it five or six hours to see, you know, a day in the life of one of your favorite characters from an '80s movie. It can be pretty fucking fun.
0: I can't even imagine what I'd want to pick first, but these are characters, Larusso and Lawrence, that you never thought you would ever see again. Painted with such a beautiful brush, I think this is going to be. They're going to try to recreate this, and I think we're going to see a lot of fucking failure. <laughs> I do, man. Like, because I mean, why why pick Karate Kid unless you have reverence for the the property? I get that. I mean, we're getting to Bill and Ted, yeah, three, which I think can be done very well. But I can also see some properties from the eighties, like. I mean, what would you do? Would you do Goonies? Like what? Chunk's-
1: that was the first one that came to my head.
0: Yeah, what Chunk's doing now? Do Do Loverboy? Like Patrick Dempsey still delivering pizzas? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Isn't he like a like a fitness expert in in real life now? Uh, God, is he not? Not a expert. Um, I want to say that he is the spokesperson for some uh, like nutrition company or something i don't know i know he's in much better shape or is, he, or is he the lawyer
0: last thing i i knew he was on Grey's anatomy which i mean i don't watch but he was there
1: but he's like skinny bald with a like a short beard right no
0: he's still got the patrick Dempsey hair who are you thinking of patrick swayze's dead doug
1: i'm, I'm thinking of chunk who are, who are you talking about
0: oh no i was talking about lover boy you're still on Goonies, oh. man i already moved ahead
1: god shit yeah chunk is uh oh, josh cohen josh cohen and what does he do he's a lawyer he now. is the lawyer okay yeah no you're oh lover boy mick uh is he mcdreamy or mcsteamy i don't know <laughs> he's one of those
0: yeah no chunk was definitely not on Grey's anatomy no but uh, here here's what you do you do weekend at bernie's except they don't have bernie anymore <laughs> And they're looking for another dead guy so that they can have adventures because their lives are boring without it. Andrew McCarthy and Jonathan Silverman aren't doing shit.
1: You could go – I could see them bringing that one back and then turning it into like a – like this is an analysis on you know pathology. There's something mentally wrong with these people because they think it's okay to drag a dead guy around to facilitate their shenanigans.
0: I mean, have you ever wanted to revisit the Mannequin universe? We might not be able to make that
1: happen. <laughs> uh, my point was, is that when it's well done, and it, I didn't think this was possible. I honestly didn't. I expected
0: didn't Cobra Kai to, like it. to
1: be a fucking train wreck. No, I did not want to like it. And I, I didn't think it... Because it's still... Even when you watch it, it there's so much corn and cheese in this but it's the perfect fucking amount they make the casserole with the perfect fucking proportions to succeed so it can be done you just have to have enough of the original elements and and then i guess uh behind the scenes people who really fucking love the property
0: And if anything brings the LaRusso family together, it's a casserole. I think that's even referenced. (laughs) And we have, uh, what were the Bananarama pancakes? Oh, my (laughs) God. I was so happy. That was the best reference in the whole show. Yeah? I think. No one would get that unless you're a fan of the original movie and Cruel Summer by Bananarama, and you know that that's on the soundtrack, right?
1: Yeah. um, No. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe.
0: I think there was a lot of things that if you're a fan of the first film, you will completely pick up on that other people that have maybe seen the first film once or twice sure. will not.
1: No, I, I think that that's absolutely true. E- yeah, even some of the things that that aren't that they don't necessarily beat you over the head with or show a direct flashback to dialogue in particular. I can think of a half dozen examples.
0: Johnny's referred to as King Karate by uh, and God Ed Asner, man. Just, just it's OK to die, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Ed looked old, but that character was important to show, you know, how shitty Johnny's life outside of Cobra Kai really was. And uh, you do get a lot of origin uh, with with John, uh, especially the uh, he does get to talk about Dutch and Tommy get mentioned by name. I think we're going to see some of the other Cobra Kai next season. Yeah, maybe Dutch comes on to mentor Hawk.
1: (laughs) Poor Hawk. There's there's so many tragic characters in, in the uh, the Cobra Kai dojo. Uh, Aisha
0: got a good arc. She got to do the the Vaj Wedgie.
1: Yeah, and uh, turned out to be not so snatchy at the end because they were all headed towards the dark side. I mean, you could see that was uh, one of one of the best moments is near the end when Lawrence realizes, oh shit, I, I've gone and done to these kids what Kreese did to me. Kreese did to me. I need to do something about this.
0: And I guess that's, I mean, that's got to come into season two, right? Yeah. Because Miguel is, Miguel is in
1: 100%. I think we get redemption for a lot of people. And I think the easiest way to do that is to give them all a common foe.
0: And I, I guess that has to be Crease,
1: Crease, and maybe uh, Bad Boy Karate.
0: Oh, uh, Mike Barnes. Mike and, uh, Barnes. Do we see a return of Terry Silver? <laughs> Oh, but God, get Segal to play him in a bad uh, ponytail. That's or uh, yeah. Oh my God, yes. Get Seagal with a bad bad hair to play Terry Silver. I'm sure the Terry Silver actor though would appreciate probably getting a role since he hasn't had one since then.
1: God. Can Segal even move these days?
0: I don't know. Uh, he looks pretty. Uh, he looks pretty crappy uh, in pictures I've seen him, and he's definitely not doing many action movies anymore. No. <laughs> I don't know what direction you go. I, you and I even talked about why, why don't they bring back Chosun? Whatever happened to him? Bring back Sato. Is yeah. Sato still alive? I mean, what's going on over in Okinawa? Daniel goes through three girlfriends in the, in the series, and we haven't seen any of them yet. We got to see pictures of Elizabeth Shue, who I think they will – with the amount of hits and things that they got and critical acclaim, if they haven't approached shoe yet, there's a reason for it. I mean, she's the – out of all the actors in that cast besides Marita, I mean, Elizabeth Shue was nominated for an Oscar. Her and Marita both were for different films. Her for Vegas, obviously him for The Karate Kid. Right. But there's two Oscar-nominated a- actors in the cast, and she's one of them. And they mention Allie enough to where you know that they're thinking about her. I mean, Allie gets mentioned multiple times.
1: Well, if there was one thing that was going to make it possible for her to be included in this property, it was how wildly successful the first season's been.
0: And they've already said that she is a doctor and her husband is a doctor. So you ha- you could, I guess you could work that in somehow. I don't know. I think Allie has to come back for at least a cameo. I mean, we got Daniel's mom, Randy Heller, who looks amazing, oh my by the God, way. Doesn't
1: she? It blew me away. She, she, she looked the same age as Macho when they were sitting next to each other.
0: No, they did. And they do the flashback to uh, to her. And yeah, she she aged probably better than, than anyone. And she did her Lucille character very well. I mean, you could tell that that was Daniel's mom fighting with Daniel's wife about, you know. I
1: love that trope.
0: Yeah. I'm not going to eat this homemade or this uh, store-bought potato salad. Why don't you get into the kitchen and make me some potato salad? Yeah. <laughs> That wasn't what she said, but that was basically the, the gist of the scene. And then you have Daniel's son, the biggest douchebag. Where do you go with that character? Are they just doing that to show that that no family is perfect? Because that kid really doesn't have much redeeming qualities or many redeeming qualities.
1: That was the, the conclusion that I came to is that because uh, you got the girl, the daughter, she's a very strong character, uh, good head on her shoulders make some of the best decisions of any characters in the fucking movie. Uh, and then you've got her brother who's just a couple of years younger and it's just a complete fucking waste of space.
0: Yeah. And spoiled as shit. Uh, Daniel obviously spoils him. It doesn't look like they, they, while
1: talking about not spoiling him. Yeah.
0: They don't want for much in the LaRusso household. Daniel's obviously very successful.
1: Oh yeah. If you run a car dealership in the Valley, you're gold.
0: Yeah. And uh, so Daniel's done well with his life and, Johnny's life at the end is kind of turning around until the second that Creese walks in. Johnny's looking at the trophy, which is so sad to me because that's the trophy he always wanted. And now he has it, but he, he doesn't like the way that he got it. So I, I really want to see these characters again. We're not going to see them again until next year. But we've already watched more with these characters than we did in the original three films. Certainly with John Lawrence, who we get to see for one movie in the beginning of another movie. And then you never hear about john lawrence again in, right. the, in the films
1: and we know why now is because he he turned it into a pile of nothing
0: yeah he sits around and drinks cores banquet, banquet. <laughs> doesn't even have he mounts tvs for a living but his, his own tv isn't even mounted when the story opens until the montage right until he decides to turn his uh to drink orange juice instead of beer which i thought was a, it's a good choice john lawrence i've been making that choice myself recently pick pick the orange juice I love what they did with the with the characters. I don't. I don't think we can say enough about the show. If you haven't watched it, uh, you shouldn't have listened to any of this. But please go and watch it. Give give something like this support. I think even if you're not a huge fan of the original film, you'll appreciate the you'll appreciate the story. And what is technically an R rated Karate Kid? Did you ever think you'd see a penis going into Daniel Russo's mouth on a billboard? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's uh, they they There's don't language. pull a lot of punches. Yeah,
0: Robbie oh. Robbie curses a couple times. I think Daniel does a couple times, oh,
1: and Johnny the whole damn series. Yeah, you get shits and and fucks, and it's uh it's definitely a well. I guess you would say it. How how do they rate shit on?
0: I guess it's it's M M for mature. That's how they rate <laughs> video games. You also get some of the best title placement in television history according to doug i I wanted to make sure i I not bring that up (laughs) i got like 17 texts from you like title placement look at that it's beautiful title placement eric look at that title placement eric
1: whoever's job it was to do the title placement in this series deserves a a fucking raise and they deserve more work it's it's so subtle until it's one of those things like uh the property that we're going to talk about next which we've talked about before you don't notice it because it's so fucking well done. And then once you do notice it, it's the only thing that you want to pay attention to and, and rave about.
0: Yeah. I know that there was, there were multiple directors for the episodes, but I assume that there was one creative vision from the, the Harold and Kumar guys. They, I hope they had something to to do with that. Cause in, in a couple cases, this episode nine, the skateboarding one in particular, and the, I think it's episode six where it appears on the back of Johnny's ghee, Yeah. Are both really well done. Just,
1: it's perfect it's not just like slap it up because it's the beginning of the show it's like intent and thought and feeling go into the placement of a couple of letters to amazing effect
0: yeah and i guess you said the property we're going to talk about next are we going to end with god of war
1: yeah i was trying to think of like a blue mats yellow fist transition into god of war but uh i i ran out of gas what
0: do you think about that little uh we got to change the mats this year, and at the end, the Asian dude's like, "Yeah, I'm sure it's the, the match you fucking dickhole." Basically, is what it boils down to.
1: There are memes like that's the meme on the internet right now is like, "Oh God, this doesn't fucking work without the blue mats and like yellow <laughs> fists." Like this whole thing would have gone to shit. <laughs> I'm so glad that that's what the, our younger generation picked up on. Good,
0: fantastic. <laughs> uh, there there were other jokes in there, but if hey if they want to gravitate towards that, that's 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 great.
1: It was a good joke.
0: I thought so, too. Um, No, I did finish God of War.
1: I'm so glad.
0: Not 100%, but I did finish the game. Loved it. I hope everyone out there has, has already played it, at least have played it. If you have a PS4, you owe it to yourself to go out and pick it up.
1: I know one person, at least, that hasn't played it because I made the mistake of spoiling the game for him last night. And I'll say on air, Tyler, I am really sorry for taking that moment away from you because, Eric, how did that hit you?
0: Oh, it was, it was really well done. Uh, essentially, the reveal is uh, Kratos' son is Loki. And all the implications of that. And all that
1: that implies, yeah.
0: And the second ending, which thank you to your son I know about. Uh, when you do beat the game, you will see credits roll. Uh, but they're done in the game so you can keep on playing. You don't get like actual credits until you go back to your house. And Thor shows up. What well, it flashes forward, you go to bed, it flashes forward, and Thor shows up and reaches for his hammer, and then you get the actual credits. So if you haven't – uh well, I just spoiled the whole fucking thing for you, but <laughs> at the end of the game, go to your house. That's where you'll see the true ending, and thank you to Connor for hooking me up with that. I appreciate that, bro. Uh, no, I, I, I loved it. It's uh, – And I'm going to give a shout out to one of our fans, Adam Gumbert, has been calling me out for a couple weeks now that I haven't mentioned how good Red Dead Redemption uh, sequel is going to be. Adam, you're right. If there is a game that can topple God of War this year, it's going to be made by Rockstar. So I forgot that, Adam, and thank you. You're the reason I wear a scarf on this podcast. So I love you, brother. (laughs) But God of War is going to be top three this year, top five. It's hard not to be possibly number one. It's one of the best games I've played. I think we talked about this last time, but the combat mechanics are fucking flawless, especially when you get the Blades of Chaos. I've been doing some of the side missions to get my armor leveled up and things like that, going after the Valkyries, freeing dragons. There's tons of end game content if you want to expand the title. I've gotten through like uh, I don't know 15 of the challenges and Muselfime, and those are fucking brutal. They are. So if you don't think that when you're done with the title that there's not more to do, you can easily get fifty hours in gameplay. In fact, how long has Connor played it?
1: Uh, he's on his third playthrough now. So I don't know. Do the math.
0: So yeah, if you if you have the summer off from school <laughs> and you <laughs> don't have a job, Must you can nice. probably get through three playthroughs. But minimally, play it play it one time. You you're still at the beginning of the game, right? Granted, you've seen it all, though.
1: I have, so I I have a little less urgency um, because someone told me, like, oh, you watched your son play. That's just, like, watching it on on YouTube. Like, you're not picking up anything from that. Bullshit. When you're playing with someone else in the same room, there's constant dialogue about, like, oh, check behind there, or did you miss that thing, and that kind of thing. Like, no, I wasn't playing it, but uh, I've been through this game twice, so I'm I'm taking my time with mine. I, I put in a couple hours a week, but... Honestly, I've been playing so much uh, Robot Named Fight in my spare time that it's uh, been holding my attention over God of War.
0: Switch or Steam, if you have either one of those consoles, pick up a Robot Named Fight if you are a fan of Metroidvania titles. Doug and I have both been playing it. In fact, I took it uh, on vacation with me, and when my niece was napping, my brother-in-law and I played through a lot of the game and had a lot of fun with it. So that's pick that pick that up if you have a Switch which I assume most of you probably do. It's a $15 title. Yeah. Well, no brainer. It. Yeah. I'd get that Pick up God a war. Uh, I know it's 60 bucks, but we've told you on the show before you can share your console. You can share your PS4. If you have a question on how to do it, send me a private message. I'll walk you through it. Doug and I share games now and it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful.
1: My kids love it. Uh, Uncle Eric is like their new favorite person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what? Um, One of the first guests we ever had on the show, Sleepy Reaper, often says, I like to keep gamers gaming. And that's kind of one thing I took from him. And I like to keep gamers gaming. One thing I'm hoping, um, I hope you get done with God of War. I'm really hoping you pick up Dark Souls Remastered so that you and I can talk through some of those battles. That's one of my favorite games of all time, the original Dark Souls. I played it through three times. It's brutal. It's brutal but you have the right person in your house to help you. Yeah. Don't let him do the battles for you, but he can point out enough things to where you'll be able to figure it out. I think it will really test your metal more than any game has, uh, no buying aquariums until after you're finished with it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Are you sure you want to talk to me while I'm playing this game? I
0: do. I want I want to be on chat with you. I want to hear the goddammit's and the fucks and the frustration and the Eric. I just have to put this down right now. I just have to put this down right now. I want to hear all of that <laughs> because when you do beat some of these bosses and when you do get some, through some of these areas, the sense of satisfaction you will feel will be unparalleled to any other console or gaming experience you've had in your life.
1: Wow. Ever. Ever.
0: Ever. Dark Souls is the first game that gave me physical nightmares. I would have nightmares about some of the boss fights, and that's how I would work my way through them. Two of them in particular, I woke up in a cold sweat and walked into my living room at 5 or 6 in the morning and picked it up and beat it on the first try.
1: Is this, this is what you talk about when you try and sell people on this game? Because nothing yes. I'm hearing sounds like... Fun.
0: <laughs> where can you get an experience like that a game that completely embeds itself in your fucking psyche and you cannot get away from it because of the feeling of euphoria you get when you do accomplish something in the game ah. i told you that the bonfire i got to in the first 15 minutes of play the original time i played dark souls took me six hours possibly just to figure out the mechanics of the game now i'm i'm much better at it but I really want you to – even if you don't finish it, though you said you would one day, and I'm going to hold you to that.
1: Hold me to it. It's, uh, I will finish Dark Souls 1 someday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's a game that I'm really glad I was able to show the boys, something that when I moved here, I introduced them to. They didn't know what, what Dark Souls was all about. I showed it to them, and now they're way better at it than I am, and that – I'll never be a father – that, to me, was, uh, was a fatherly moment for me. I was like, look what I did. Like, I showed them, and now they're teaching me. The student has become the master. Cobra Kai?
1: <laughs> Fuck, man. We might just have to end there.
0: <laughs> that- yeah, I don't think I have anything to, to plug this week. Uh, thank you guys all for coming out to Cobalt Con. I wasn't there, I know, but uh, Tyler and Carl and Nick said they all had a lot of fun, so... I apologize uh, but props to KoboldCon God. You guys I think 10 times your attendance from the previous year. It's only the second year the con's been in Really? Place. I I heard nothing but I wasn't there, but I heard nothing but positive things about how the con was ran, the organization of the con, and how much fun everyone had. So I I'm, I'm extremely proud to be part of KoboldCon even Sweet. though I wasn't physically there. Um, I did get to do the interview with Ed Greenwood though, so thank you KC Reft. I really appreciate that, brother. Um I know I said it last week on the podcast, but that is probably my favorite episode of BitFaced ever, seriously. It's, I've listened to it twice just so I can listen to Ed tell stories. And I am going to hold Ed to coming back on the cast. I know as a generous and nice person, he said that. And I'm sure he probably says that to a lot of people, but I'm going to do the best I can to, I'm going to do a one-on-one with Ed and really kind of dig into some questions I've got uh, for him, not necessarily about Forgotten Realms, but about storytelling.
1: As a fan, it's one of, if not, my top favorite bit faced episode. Certainly the only one I've ever listened to three times, uh, an amazing effort. Thank you for that.
0: Oh, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Cobalt for that. Cause they made all of that happen for
1: us. Here. A, is it Matt? Is he? Yes. Um, well, congratulations, Matt. It sounds like things are headed in the, in the right direction. Year two. Ten times the attendance. That's fucking remarkable.
0: In, insane. So, And he'll be on the cast shortly to, to talk about that. I don't know if I'm going to be on that episode either, though, because I was not at KoboldCon. We'll see what happens. But really, <laughs> I probably will. But uh, we'll see what happens. But anyway, congratulations to Cobalt Con. We're, we're so proud of you. Uh, Doug, in fact, you were at KoboldCon last year. I was that's where uh, we met Sean Patrick not met Sean Patrick Fannon. that's where you met him I
1: met him right and had a chance to play with him and got,
0: got to sit down and game with him he's got a lot of exciting stuff coming up in fact props to you Sean Patrick Fannin for uh, your Kickstarter in six hours Freedom Squadron was completely funded killed it uh, I can't wait to play the game again I know he's a very busy guy in fact he hasn't even been doing his movie nights because of how busy he's been working on the game and, and getting those things out to people so thank you for that Across the table from me, coming down again to watch a movie with his lonely friend. <laughs> my good buddy, Doug Lund. I am Eric G. Hollis, and I'm never flying solo.